Amen. I don't know about you, I'm glad that uh, I'm a part of a church that's doing something. Amen. And uh, we want to encourage you, just as Miss Diana said, I, I really want to challenge everybody. My uh, really personal vision for our church in the area of missions is that every person would at least go on one mission trip. And I want you to begin to go ahead and pray and prepare uh, to be a part of that. And a part of that vision is that we want to create an opportunity. Our goal is that we're going to provide four mission trips a year through our local church uh, to help people in our church get connected and be a part of uh, seeing what God is doing around the world and putting your hand, so to speak, to the plow. We've got a trip in June going to Guatemala uh, that is already full. We've got seven adults and seven of our high school students. We wanted to do a youth trip. And uh, so we're going to be taking our young people to Guatemala in June. And uh, you'll have some opportunities to support them and get involved in that. We'll be telling you a little more about that later. Uh, but we also have a trip planned in September uh, where you can go to Belize. We've got a trip that we're going to be partnering with another local church here in uh, Arab, and we're going to be going back to Belize this year. We went last year for the first time, and uh, so there's going to be opportunities for you to go, and we're trying to offer what we consider to be affordable mission trips. Now, for a mission trip, uh, anything that's $1,200 to $1,500, that's affordable when you're traveling out of country and you're staying for a week or two weeks, uh, and so uh, we're we're trying to do some trips uh, that people can begin to raise money and really participate in. And then we're planning and praying about another option this year. Uh, but we're really believing God. We're going to be able to offer four trips just through our local church along with partnering with other churches and ministries, NRP, of course, uh, which is a network of related pastors that we're a part of. But we want you uh, really to get involved in missions. And, uh, and I want you to do it sooner than later. Amen. Because it will change your life. When you go around the world and you see people that have nothing, but they have a heart and a hunger for Jesus that is astounding uh, as you begin to see them live their lives on purpose for God. Well, this morning, as I said, we're going to cast some vision and we're going to be talking about what God, I really believe, is wanting to do this year in Arab, Alabama through our church. And uh, we're already doing things around the world. But how many of you know that God loves Arab? Amen. And that there are people right now in our city that are desperate for the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we want to give people that hope. So I want you to look with me in uh, Matthew chapter 9, and today I want to talk to you about making room, and we're going to talk about the vehicle that God wants to use. How many of you understand that the hope of America is not a politician? Uh, if you watched any of the election, any of the debates or any of the things that are happening in our world today, uh, if your hope is in a politician, you're going to be sorely disappointed. Our hope is in Jesus. And I heard a great pastor one time, Bill Hybels, made this statement. He said, the hope of America is the local church. God has chosen the local church to be the vehicle through which he brings radical supernatural transformation. And I believe there's hope for America. And I believe the hope for America is the body of Christ. And I believe it's me and you being willing to be the vehicle of the Lord, being willing to be the instrument that God uses to bring transformation to our city, our state, and our nation. And the way to turn America around is that people would actually get born again. Amen. When you get saved, you get set free and you get made whole. All of a sudden, you don't want to lie. You don't want to cheat. You don't want to steal. You want to treat your neighbor like you want to be treated. And all of a sudden, the world begins to change because the hearts and lives of people are transformed by the power of the gospel. So the hope of America is the local church. And I don't know about you, but I'm just going to tell you, for me and my house, me and Kelly, our family, the leaders of Liberty Church, we have, de we have decided in our hearts that we here at Liberty, we want to be the vehicle that God uses 
to bring radical change, not just to our city, our state, but to our nation. I believe God's called us to be the point of the spear to usher in a move of God that's going to change a nation. And I believe we are, we are primed and positioned by the hand of heaven to do something amazing. I have pastors from all over the, the, the United States that are talking with me, uh, pastors that have come through our church, and everyone tells me the same thing. Pastor Keith, they say, God is doing something in Arab that's not happening everywhere. This is something special, and you need to make sure you grab hold of it. And so we're here today to talk about how can we grab hold of what God is doing. How can we make sure that we present ourselves as the vehicle that God wants to use to usher in His presence, His power, His glory to bring change to our city, our state, and our nation. And we're going to do that through a simple phrase, and that is we're simply going to make room this year. We're going to make room. I want you to see Matthew chapter 9, verse 23. The Bible says, when Jesus came into the ruler's house, and this is the story, the ruler of the synagogue, or the ruler of the city comes to Jesus, and his daughter has been sick, and now she has died, and he's come and asked Jesus to come to his house. And the Bible says that when Jesus came into the ruler's house, he saw the flute players and the noisy crowd wailing. And he said to them, make room. Y'all say that with me? Make room. Say it one more time. Make room. Jesus said, make room for the girl is not dead but sleeping. And they ridiculed him. Verse 25 says, but when the crowd was put outside, Jesus went in and took her, the girl, by the hand. And the girl arose. Look at verse 26. And the report of this went out into all that land. Let me give you our first point on your outline the first thing that has to happen if we're going to be the vehicle God is going to use to bring transformation and change to our nation, our city, and our state is that we have to make room for Jesus. We just got to make room for Jesus. We have to make room for Jesus. We have to consistently create a place of faith through prayer, worship, and the Word that invites God's presence to move among us. We have to make room room for Jesus. The first thing Jesus said when he walked into that house is he said, make room. I want you to go back. Let's go back to those scriptures if we can. Let's look at verse 23. I want to read it to you again. The Bible says this, he came to the ruler's house. He saw the flute players and the noisy crowd wailing. I want you to understand. I heard a statement a couple months ago that just settled in my spirit. The gentleman said this. He said, the local church ought to be the closest thing to heaven on earth. He said people ought to come to church on Sunday morning and they ought to experience a little bit of heaven. Amen? They ought to come to church and they ought to experience a little bit of heaven. How many of you know that the church ought to be a place of faith? It ought to be a place of expectancy. It ought to be a place where the power and the glory and the grace of God is manifested in such a way that people's lives are supernaturally and spiritually transformed. Last year on Sunday mornings, uh, we, saw over a, we saw 130 people make decisions to commit or recommit their life to Christ just on Sunday morning last year here at Liberty Church. Why? Because when you make room for Jesus, people's lives are changed. Amen? And so the Bible says Jesus came into the house, he saw the flute players and the noisy crowd welling. Literally, Jesus walked in to what we would consider to be a funeral home. And I'll be honest with you, I've walked in a few church services myself and had to look around and make sure I wasn't at the funeral home. How many know church services ought not be dead? 
They ought not be dead. They ought not be dreary. They ought not be full of death and gloom and despair. We shouldn't come to church to begroan the condition of our nation. We shouldn't come to church to begroan the condition of our world. We shouldn't come to church to begroan how bad our world is and how evil the world is and how wicked the world is. We ought to come to church and we ought to create a place of faith where the glory and the power of God shows up in such a way that people's lives are radically changed by who God is. And so the Bible says, Jesus, when they look at the next verse, and Jesus said to them, make room for the girl is not dead, but sleeping. I want to say to you today, there are a lot of people putting a death sentence on America. I mean, they're speaking death over our nation. They're speaking death over generations. They're speaking death over our churches. And I want to say, I want to say to you today, it may look dead, but it's not dead because there is resurrection power in Jesus Christ. Hey, we may look like a dead nation. We're not a dead nation because Jesus is still Lord of our nation. And if we will just make room, if we'll just make room for Jesus, you know what will happen? Dead things will come to life. Dead things will come to life. Marriages will be restored. Lives will be restored. Families will be restored. God will put the pieces back together in people's lives. And what everybody thought was dead and gone and buried, God will say, hey, I'm going to raise it up. It's not dead. She's only sleeping because the resurrected Savior is here. Is here in the house. And the Bible says, and they ridiculed him. Look at the next verse. It says, but when the crowd was put outside, Jesus went in. Now, now, don't misread that because some people would read that and say, well, you know what? Jesus is opposed to crowds. Well, that's not true at all. As a matter of fact, everywhere Jesus went, he drew a crowd. Jesus attracted people. Why? Because he was resurrection power life. He was the way, the truth, and the life. And he walked in faith, he walked in power, and he walked in the glory of God. And everywhere Jesus went, people wanted to be where he was. But the crowd represented something. It represented unbelief. See, that crowd, when Jesus said, she's not dead, she's just asleep, the Bible says they began to ridicule and mock him. Why? Because they had already decided it was dead and gone, it was already over, the game was ended, and there was no hope. No, for, no future and no new beginning. But Jesus recognized that they had to make room. And making room for faith means that you've got to take the unbelief and put it outside. And when the crowd was put outside, Jesus went in. When the crowd was put outside, Jesus went in. In, and when Jesus went in, when they made room for Jesus, the dead girl came alive. The resurrection power of God was manifested and what had been, what had been considered dead and gone was now living brand new life again. In the Bible, look at that next verse. The Bible says, and the report of this went out into all the land. So let's look back at our first point. We have to make room for Jesus. We have to consistently create a place of faith through prayer, worship, and the Word. We have to pray the Word. We sing the Word. We preach the Word. Why? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. But I want you to see something. I want you to see that the atmosphere, the atmosphere of that room was not controlled by the preacher. 
And the atmosphere of the room is not controlled by the worship team. And the atmosphere of the room is not controlled by the leaders of the church or the elders of the church. The Bible says the atmosphere of that room in Matthew chapter 9 was controlled by the crowd. I want to give you a great revelation this morning. If we're going to make room for Jesus, if we're going to create a place of faith where people experience and encounter God in a supernatural, real way, then every person that calls Liberty Church their home is going to have to create an atmosphere, an atmosphere of faith that invites the presence of God. See, the challenge today in our modern culture is we have too many Christians coming to church wondering what they're going to get and not enough Christians coming to church say, hey, I'm bringing something to give. Right? I mean, I actually have people come up to me and say, man, Pastor Keith, I hope you're bringing it today. I want to just ask you today, what are you bringing? What are you bringing when you come to the house of God, right? What are you bringing? You ought to walk through the doors of that church and you ought to bring a spirit of faith. You ought to bring a spirit of expectation. You ought to bring a spirit, the spirit of God that says, you know what, I'm going to church today. I'm not going to see what I can get. I'm bringing something to the house of God today. Now let me ask you a question. I want to know, I want to, don't answer this out loud, okay? But answer this in your head. I wonder how many of you today spent time praying for this service. How many of you spent time this week praying for Sunday? Praying for the worship, praying for the word, praying for the people. I mean, think about it. How many Christians just come to church wondering what they can get? And then how many Christians prepare to go to church because they're not going to get something, they're going to bring something? What would happen in this church if you spent time every day during the week Praying for Sunday, praying for the worship, praying for the media, praying for the children, praying for the volunteers, praying for the souls that are going to walk through that door that don't know Jesus. What would happen if you spent time every day preparing your heart, creating a place of faith and saying, you know what, I can't wait till Sunday, not because I'm looking for a good word from Pastor Keith or my favorite song from the praise team. I can't wait for Sunday because I have been praying and preparing my heart. I've been making room for Jesus, and when I go to church Sunday, I'm going to bring it. I'm going to bring faith and glory and expectation. And when people walk through that door, they're going to walk in without hope and they're going to find hope. They're going to walk in dead and they're going to walk out alive because I'm going to bring something to church that the world needs because I'm going to make room. I'm going to make room in my heart every day for Jesus. And when I come to church, I'm bringing it. That ought to be our new song. We ought to look at everybody. What'd you bring today? What'd you bring today? I brought faith. I brought hope. I brought love. I brought an anticipation that God is going to do something today that can never be done. Never been done before. God's going to do it today because we're going to make room. Right? We're going to make room for Jesus. Let me talk about the second thing. Leviticus Chapter 26, if you're not reading the whole Bible, you're missing out. You're robbing yourself. There is so much in the Bible. Genesis to Revelations is the Word of God. In Leviticus 26, the Bible says this, God is speaking to the children of Israel. If you follow my decrees and are careful to obey my commands, I will send you the seasonal rains, the land will then yield its crop, and the trees of the field will produce their fruit. I will look favorably upon you, 
making you fertile, and I will multiply your people. Let's stop right here for a second. And I will fulfill my covenant with you. Let me just say this to you. The fruit of obedience is increase. The fruit of obedience is increase. You start obeying God in your finances, you know what happened? Your finances will increase. You start obeying God in your family, and you know what happened? Peace will increase in your family. Joy will increase in your, in your family. Life will increase in your family. You start obeying God in relationships, and all of a sudden there will be an increase in every area of your life. Obedience produces increase. The fruit of obedience is increase. And God told the children of Israel, if you'll be careful to obey me, if you'll do what I tell you to go and go, do what I tell you to do and go where I tell you to go, he said, then I will send you the rain. He says, I will, look what he says, I'll look favorably on you. I'll make you fertile. I'll multiply your people. I'll fulfill my covenant. Does God ever give you a promise? Obedience is the seed that produces increase. God fulfills his covenant with those who honor and obey him. Now look at this next verse. And you will have such a surplus of crops that you will need to clear out the old grain to make room. Let's say it again. Make room. Let's say it one more time. Make room. You'll have to make room for the new harvest. Let's look at our next point on your outline. So if we're going to be the vehicle that God's going to use to bring transformation, reformation, and salvation to our nation, we're going to have to make room for Jesus, and we're going to have to make room for new people to experience his presence. We're going to have to make room for new people to experience God's presence. Why? Because when you lift up Jesus, when you make room for Jesus, the news spreads throughout all the land. Right When you make room for Jesus and people's lives are transformed and changed, salvation, transformation uh, happens in people's lives, you know what happens? The greatest advertisement a church can have is a transformed life, right? Because when you get saved, you want to tell somebody. When you get healed, you want to tell somebody. When you get delivered, you want to tell somebody. When you get restored, you want to tell somebody. When God breaks the chain, you want to let the world know that you are free. Right, so when you lift him up, you know what he said? If I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. See, if you make room for Jesus and you don't make room for people, then you haven't really made room for Jesus because Jesus loves people. Ephesians chapter 4, you can go home and read it. Gives us the mandate of what the local church is actually supposed to do. It talks about the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher. And, and what those uh, gifts are supposed to do for the body of Christ. And then the scripture says this in Ephesians 4. So that the church may be healthy, growing, and full of love. Healthy, growing, and full of love. You can't have a healthy, growing church that is full of the love of Jesus that is not making room for new people because the only way a church can grow is to reach new people now I know we've got really religious and we'll say real spiritual stuff like this well Pastor Keith I know we're not growing in numbers but we are growing more mature well if you're mature in Jesus you ought to be winning somebody to Christ so grow up right don't tell me you're mature and nobody's getting saved don't tell me you're mature and nobody's getting set free. Don't tell me you're mature and no disciples are being made. If you grow up in Jesus, you'll begin to reproduce the life of God in other people. 
That's just a religious excuse for our stifled growth. But if we'll make room for Jesus and we'll make room for people, God said, I'll show up, I'll show out, and I'll display my glory. So we have to consistently, continually create a place to accommodate the new harvest of souls. So I'm going to give you, I want to share with you four things we're going to do this year, all in one little bullet point. Let's look at this. This year, we're going to enhance something we've been doing. This year, we are going to make room for Jesus, and we're going to make room for new people through four special outreach events that we're going to do this year. Now, we have typically have done Easter, and we typically have done Christmas, and we've usually done something in the summer or the fall. We usually call it a family fun day, just a kind of a big event. But this year, we're committing. We're going to do four special events this year for the purpose of making room for Jesus and ultimately making room for new people to come and experience who Jesus Christ is. How many of y'all believe that the world needs who Jesus is? Anybody believe that? then we need to make room. So we're going to do that, and we're going to do a spring, summer, fall, and winter event for that sole purpose of making room for people. And the first event, of course, is Easter. Did y'all know Easter is three weeks away? 21 days will be Easter Sunday. Now let me talk to you about Easter because last year, how many of you were here last year for Easter? Last year we had 1,000 people show up. So I mean, I'm, I'm, just going, I'm, going, I'm going to tell you the blessing and the curse of Easter last year. The blessing was we had a thousand people show up and it was amazing. I mean, I'm like, where are they coming from? I mean, it was just, I mean, lines were lined up all the way out Fry Gap Road, down the road there. People were waiting to turn in and come and it was astounding just to see a thousand people. We couldn't get them all in the building. We had people standing outside. It was, it was amazing to see a thousand people come. That was the blessing, a thousand people come. But the curse, the problem, the challenge was this. We weren't prepared for a thousand people. And because we weren't prepared for a thousand people, there were a lot of distractions that day. I mean, if you were here on Easter morning, we were tearing down curtains. We were bringing in chairs. I mean, it's like we were shipping chairs in from China. I mean, it was crazy. We had chairs coming from everywhere. We were trying to stack people on top of people. I mean, we had people everywhere. But there were a lot of distractions. And unfortunately, because of those distractions, a lot of the people that sat in our service last Easter, even though they heard the word, they sung the songs, they were distracted by our lack of preparation. We weren't ready to receive the harvest that God was wanting to give. And so many of those people walked out and though they heard a good sermon and sung a few great songs and hopefully were loved on by a lot of good people, I believe many people did not fully experience what God wanted them to experience because of the distraction of trying to get a thousand people into a building when we weren't ready for a thousand people. So we began to pray and say, all right, God, how can we remove the distractions? Because Several things happened. We had a, a family in our church this week, a gentleman in our church, he, he told me this week, he said, yeah, last year at Easter, he said, me and my family showed up. There were so many people here. He said, I just took my family and I loaded them back up in the car and I said, hey, guys, let's just go home. He said, we need to give our seats to somebody else. How I many know that was really the right attitude? Uh, but it broke my heart that here was a guy that calls liberty his home and he didn't have an opportunity to worship with us and be a part of what God was doing on Resurrection 
weekend. And so we began to pray, and we feel like God gave us a spiritual strategy in order to remove the distractions and make room for the new people that God wants to reach. So this is what we're going to do this year. This year we're going to have a special Saturday night service. The Saturday night before Easter at 6.30. We're going to have a special Saturday night service just for our Liberty Church family. That's me and you. We're going to have a Saturday night service at 6.30 that Saturday night, March 26. We're going to have a special service just for me and you. And you can bring somebody, yes. You can invite somebody, yes. We're not going to promote it, though, and we're not going to advertise it. It is really just for our Liberty Church family. And we're going to come together that Saturday night at 6.30, and everything we're going to do on Sunday, we're going to do on Saturday. We're going to sing the same songs, and I'm going to begin a brand new series that weekend entitled, If God is for Us. And we're going to talk about what would happen in your life if you got the revelation that God is for you and not against you, how would that change the way you lived your life? How would it change your eternity? How would it change your relationships? How would it change your finances? How would it change the way you lived your life if you got the revelation that, you know what, God is for me, not against me. And we're going to begin a brand new series. And so that Saturday night, just for our Liberty Church family, we're going to come together. We're going to have a special, uh, this is awesome, we're going to have a special children's ministry program going that night. Our children are going to have a special children's church that night. They're going to be learning about the resurrection. Miss Wanda shared with me what they're going to be doing uh, this week. And I thought, man, I don't even want to preach. I want to go to kids' church. It's going to be awesome. They're going to be learning some exciting things, and it's going to be powerful. So we're going to have a special service for our kids. We're going to have a special service for our church family, and then this is what we want to do. We want to invite all of you that come out on Saturday night to worship to come back on Sunday morning to serve. We want 250 dream team, that's what we call our volunteers, dream team volunteers. We want 250 people that are here on Saturday night worshiping to come back on Sunday morning to serve, and you know what? That's going to be 250 people that are not going to be in a seat but are going to be in the, in the parking lot, in the children's ministry area, in the food preparation area, and they're going to be serving, welcoming, loving, embracing, greeting, parking, and just going out of our way to make that new person know that you know what? You matter to God, and we want to make room for you. See, there has to be a paradigm shift in the way we think because as Christians we get religious. And we get religious in our thinking, and this is how we start to think. We start to think, that Easter Sunday is for the church. It's for us. But I want to tell you that Easter Sunday is one of the few Sundays in a year that people that normally don't go to church will go to church. When lost people will go to church. When unchurched people will go to church. When people that have walked away from the church will come back to church. Sunday, Easter Sunday is not for the church. Easter Sunday is for a world that needs to experience a Savior that wants to radically, supernaturally change their life. Amen. Come on, Jesus. See, we got to understand that we as Christians, we exist for two reasons. We exist for Him. And we exist for them. That's who we exist for. We exist for him. And we exist for them. For those who do not yet know Jesus Christ, we exist. So this is what I want you to do. I want you to reach in to your bulletin. Everybody got a bulletin, hopefully. And you should have a colored piece of paper that says Easter at Liberty. If you did not get one, raise your hand. Our ushers will get you one. I want everyone in this building to have one of these papers in their hand. Don't, don't share with your spouse. I want everybody to have one. And this is what I'm going to ask you to do. Right now, 
I'm going to ask you to make a commitment. Because we were all shouting, right, that we ought to make room for Jesus. And we ought to make room for Jesus. I mean, for people, right? And I believe there was some substance to your shout, right? I believe that it wasn't just a shout because I was good, it was good preaching. I believe it was a shout because you agreed with what was being said. So raise your hand. we got one more right over here. Brother Curtis right there, a couple. We still got another one. Raise your hand. We'll get you one. Right over here. Go ahead and fill your name out. Cell phone number. Do you text? Phone number. Email. And then I want you to look at this with me. So Easter morning, at 10 o'clock, we're going to have our Easter service. But if you're going to serve, we've got three time slots for you to volunteer for on Easter morning. So we're going to come Saturday night. We're going to have service together. It's going to be awesome. Our kids are going to have a special service, and then we're going to come back Sunday morning to serve. Now, let me tell you something good. If you've got kids, fifth grade and under, they're going to come Saturday night, and they're going to have a special service. They're going to come back Sunday with you when you come to serve, and you're going to check them in, and they're going to go to children's church just like all the other kids, and they're going to get a double dose that weekend because they're going to get a special service Easter morning also, different from what they did on Saturday night. It's going to be different for them, and they're going to have an opportunity to be a part of everything going on, be a part of the egg hunt, the inflatables, all the fun that will be happening. So your kids are not going to miss out. They're going to get a double whammy, amen, of the good things that God wants to do. Last year we had 270 kids here. We're believing for a 30% increase this year. We're believing for 350 kids to come and be a part of our, our 10,000 egg Easter egg hunt, but not just the egg hunt, but to be a part of our service and hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. So if you look at this little paper, there's three time slots you can commit to serving. I'm just going to pause the sermon and I'm going to walk through this with you because this really matters, right? If we believe in making room for Jesus and making room for people, then we need to pay attention to what God's doing. So 8 o'clock, we're going to have a pre-service time slot at 8 o'clock. If you want to volunteer to come in at 8, we're going to be hiding eggs. We have 10,000 eggs to hide. That is a lot of fun, actually. So if you want to come hide eggs, you can circle that. We're going to be marking off the fields. There's going to be some food preparation going. There'll be parking going. We're going to have a special needs field that'll be set up. We're going to be putting up signs. We're going to be getting our inflatables. We've got five inflatables coming. We're going to get our inflatable area, our final prep done to that. Uh, we're going to have some preparation for our children's ministry. Again, we're, going to be, we're believing for 350 kids to come that morning. So there's going to be a lot of prep to get ready for those kids. And then there's a spot that just says anywhere needed. So you may not care. You'll just say, hey, I want to help wherever you need me. Just circle anywhere needed. But that just means you're going to be here at 8 o'clock. Now, the next time slot is 9 a.m. The service starts at 10, but people are going to start getting here at 9. Okay, they're going to get here an hour early. I know we come to church five minutes early. They're going to come an hour early. Okay, I'm just telling you. They will be here at 9 o'clock. So we need our ushers, our greeters, our children's ministry people, everybody in place. So at 9 a.m. to work the Easter service, we need people to help in the food area. We need people to help with parking. We need greeters. Our greeters are going to be outside welcoming people and connecting people in the right way so their kids get registered and they know how to get in the building. And then we're going to have ushers. Our ushers are going to be inside the people. They're going to be serving the people once they come in. They're going to help them, help them find a seat, help them get to the restroom, make sure everything they need is took care of. And, and then, of course, we need children's ministry workers. Now, we have a great children's ministry team, so all of the leadership positions are going to be filled. 
We don't need people to come in and come up with something to do. We just need helpers. We need people that are going to help us make sure all the kids get to the right area, make sure everybody gets a craft and everybody gets a snack. And so we just need a lot of hands on deck. So if you want to help in the children's ministry, you just circle that. And again, if you're willing to come in at 9 o'clock and you can just circle anywhere needed, you say, well, just put me wherever you want me to be and I'll serve. And then the last time slot is 1130. So the service is from 10 to 11.30. At 11.30, we will break the service. The service will be over, and we are going to uh, dismiss to the egg field. And so at, from 11.30 on, we'll have the egg hunt, we'll have lunch, and we'll have the inflatables going, and that will last till about 2 o'clock. And so there's different areas. You can serve in the egg collection area. You can serve in the candy exchange area. Let me say this about the candy exchange. The way we do our egg hunt is all the eggs are empty, except for 72 golden eggs that are the prize eggs. If they find a gold egg, they get a big basket full of goodies. But the rest of the eggs are empty. So when the kids get done hunting eggs, they go to the egg exchange table, and they dump their eggs into a big container, and then we give them a bag of candy. So every kid gets the same amount of candy, whether you found one egg or 50 eggs. Every kid gets a bag of candy. So we need you to not only sign up to help in that area, but we have a blue bin right back there. It says drop candy here. We've got two weeks to raise enough candy to fill 350 Ziploc bags full of candy, okay? So we're going to ask you to begin to bring in candy by the 20th, two weeks from today. We've got to have all that candy in so that last week we can be stuffing all those 350 bags getting ready for our kids. You can bring candy by the church office during the week, or you can bring it here every weekend on Sunday and drop it in the blue bin. We're also going to need people to help with food, people to help with inflatables, people to help with cleanup, or again, anywhere needed. So this is what I'm going to ask everybody to do. I'm going to ask you, if you believe in making room for Jesus and making room for people, then I want to ask you to make a commitment today to be a part of what God's going to do on Easter morning as we show up to see God show out, amen, in people's lives. Now, you see on the bottom of that page, it says Dream Team Orientation. So Saturday night at 6.30, we're going to have our Easter service for our Liberty Church family. But at 5 o'clock, we're going to have a Dream Team Orientation. That means wherever you signed up to help, when you come at 5 o'clock, there will be an area designated for you to go to, and you'll meet with that ministry team leader, and, and Saturday night at 5 they're going to give you specific instructions of what you're going to be doing Sunday morning. Because when we come in Sunday morning, we want to be a well-oiled machine. Amen? We want to be a well-oiled machine. We want to give these, we want to give every person that walks on our property a spirit of excellence and a spirit of faith that says, you know what? We prayed for you. We prepared for you, we planned for you, and now we're going to welcome you in the most amazing way. And so we're going to come in that Saturday at 5, we'll have Dream Team Orientation, then at 6.30 we will have our service, and uh, we'll just have a great time together. How many of you believe God wants to do something big? Let me tell you what I'm praying. Last year we had 130 souls saved. Over the last 12 months, 2015, on Sunday morning, we saw 130 people make decisions to accept Christ or recommit their life to Christ. 130 people. My prayer, our prayer now for Easter, this is what I'm praying. I'm believing that on Easter morning, Easter Sunday, we're going to see over 130 people saved on one day. I'm believing God's going to do in one day what happened last year. 
How many of y'all believe God's that big, right? One day, we're going to see over 130 people. Now, let me tell you what else we're going to do, because our heart is not just to win souls. We want to make disciples. We want to destroy the works of the devil. So this is what we're going to do. Easter Sunday, while the adults are in here worshiping, the kids are going to be in, uh, 350 kids in a children's service that's specially geared for them. While they're in that service, they're going to be learning a song that they're going to be singing and performing the next Sunday. So while we're in church Easter morning, I'm going to tell all those parents that are here that morning, I'm going to say, hey, I just want to go ahead and invite you to come back next Sunday. Because next Sunday, your kids are learning a song right now. And next Sunday, your kids are going to be standing on this stage, and they're going to be singing just for you. And we want you to come back next Sunday, bring your kids, and we want you to be with us. And how many of you know they're going to come? And then for those, for those 130 people that are going to get saved, we're going to say, hey, and for everybody that accepts Christ today, once that's over and they accept the Lord, we're going to say two weeks from today, not next Sunday, the kids are going to be singing next Sunday, but the Sunday after that, we're going to be having a baptismal service, the second Sunday of every month when we have a baptism. We're going to have a baptismal service, and if you accepted, prayed to accept Christ today, we want to invite you back in two weeks. We want you to come back and be baptized publicly. Wouldn't it be great? We're going to be baptizing 150 people. Amen. We might buy a new baptistry. We'll have double baptisms going all at the same time. Wouldn't that be awesome? How many of y'all believe God can do that? I believe if we make room for Jesus and we make room for people, God will show up in a way we never imagined. Let me give you two last thoughts and we're going to go home. When you make room for God and you make room for people, your life makes a difference. When you make room for God and you make room for people, your life makes a difference. Let me give you our last scripture for the day. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. The Bible says this. Paul says, and whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Why? Because we exist for two reasons. We exist for Him and we exist for them. Now, I want to go ahead and do this. I'm going to go ahead and let our ushers come. If you filled out that form, they're going to pass our offering bags and go ahead and let you put in that offering bag. Hey, if you believe that God wants to do something, don't you dare pass that by without you participating. Sign up and then show up. Amen? But I want you to hear this. So, so Paul said, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Look at the next verse. And don't give offense to the Jew, the Gentile, or the church of God. Now look at verse 33. He says, and I too, listen to this, I try to please everyone in everything I do. And I don't do, and I don't just do what is best for me. I do what is best for others so that many, y'all say many, so that many may be saved. Now look at the very next verse. Look at it. And you should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. Let me give you a thought before we close today. How many of you realize that when Jesus chose the cross, the cross was not Jesus' best choice for himself, but it was our only hope. When Jesus went to the cross, Jesus did not do what was best for him. 
See, what would have been best for him would have not been the cross. Jesus didn't do what was best for him. Jesus did what was best for others so that many might be saved. And every one of us are here today with the hope of heaven in our heart because Jesus said, you know what, it's not about me. It's about them. Jesus lived for him and them. And we're the them he lived for. Aren't you glad? And he's called us to do the same. Paul said, imitate me. You know why you need to imitate me, Paul said? Because I'm imitating Jesus. That's exactly what Jesus did. Jesus didn't do what was best for him. He did what was best for us so that we might be saved. Let me give you our last point on your outline. We, have a, we as a church, I want to just say to you today, Liberty Church is committed to making room. We're committed to making room for Jesus and making room for people. We're never going to stop growing. We're never going to stop reaching. We're never going to stop building because as long as there's one more soul, we're going to go after them. Amen? We're going to be North Alabama's greatest church. Why? Because we serve the greatest God in all the world. There's none like Him. And if we make room for Jesus... We can't help but make room for people because he will draw them in. I want you to stand to your feet and just bow your heads.